Hey, everybody. We're back with another bald movie. Uh, this is first run, but it's first run on Netflix. And we're late with it. And we're late it's with it. It's been forever. We were, it didn't have this out last week, but we just ran out of time. It's The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, which mm-hmm. is a 2019 film uh, telling the true life story about William Kamkwamba, uh, who uh, essentially scavenged parts and made a windmill that saved his village. Uh, in the the mm-hmm. nation of Malawi during a a, a, a food shortage, and it was this is a uh, notable for being Chiwetel Ejiofor's first directorial debut. I guess mm. that's redundant. Yes, it's, it's his directorial debut. It's also his first directing job. Um, it stars both him as uh, William's father, as well as um, Maxwell Simba as uh, William himself. Hmm. What did you think? of this film uh this i I like this movie i thought it (laughs) like coming off of roma as one of our most recent ones which is another sort of uh a different kind of slice of life Mm -hmm. uh foreign culture kind of movie this one has much more of a plot uh this one actually got me emotionally invested in the characters in traditional movie ways which I appreciate, and I really enjoyed the film. And I learned a lot about African culture, or, or not a lot, but I learned, let's say, 90% more than I knew before about African culture. Which is like, we'll talk about... Maybe this talk this about particular slice, the Mal- yeah, this, this country. I don't... Yeah. Africa's a massive continent with... The, yeah. You know, anyway. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I thought that... Um, I think it's interesting to compare it to, to Roma, mm-hmm. because they are very much alike in a lot of ways and very much opposites because Roma is, you know, goes for broke on art and style. I felt Mm -hmm. like this film is very workmanlike. It did feel like it did feel like, you know, uh, not a student film because this is just beyond that ability. But like if a a student film, if a student was Chiwetel Ejiofor, who had a very successful movie career, probably a lot of money, probably a lot of good connections, probably a lot of great cinematographers on speed dial, um, a, a pool of uh, just superior actors that would die to work on this particular project and with this particular uh, director. Um, and I felt like there's a couple points where, where um, it was a little safe and I wish that it was bolder and, and maybe like one of the bolder decisions is maybe uh, make this even shorter because it's a pretty brisk, like 110 minute film but I felt like it could probably be more of a 90-minute film because there's a couple hmm. stretches in the middle where I was getting frustrated with William's father's pig-headedness. But maybe <laughs> just like Roma, yeah. like, did I need that 20 minutes of, like, agony over this is the obvious course of action to do and this this man futilely hoeing dust mm-hmm. and what needed to happen? Um, did, yeah. did I need that to kind of feel William's desperation and a village desperation? Just like I needed the first sixty minutes of Roma to to kind of put me in that world. I don't know, but I, I think those portions serve a purpose certainly um, because there there yeah. are trust issues there that yeah. they have to work through. And I think you know on on second viewing, I thought because because I actually got a chance to watch this again, sort of in the background. I I really understood okay what they're doing with those portions is yeah, yeah, yeah. they're showing that William uh, doesn't ha- doesn't have the trust of his father and that. William's father actually never had the trust of his father. So yeah. there there's like this weird psychological yeah, hurdle yeah, yeah. that he's got to get over that eventually he does, you know. Yeah. 
but it does do a good job like Roma. Like, you know, Roma, um, in that review, I mentioned that, like, I didn't know what the sound of a, of a city turning into a city full of angry men sounded like, and I do yeah, now. Yeah. Like, this, like, there's this scene where... Um, I want to talk more about it, but there's a scene where, like, essentially government stooges come to steal this village's grain, and there's no one but women to stop them, and they can't. Mm-hmm. And, like... I mean, that's something that I don't think as as an American, I can kind of even comprehend that that would happen. Like that, you know, our village is already maybe going to not barely get by, but then government trucks that you'd expect, like like FEMA trucks would roll up and like, oh, thank God, we're going to have at least some fresh water and some loaves of bread. And they just come and round everything up and take it back to Washington, D.C. Like. That's what people that it's and then there's a, there's a segment of our culture that thinks that's actually what's happening. Like you know, the Washington D.C. just kind of rolls in and steals their money and takes it off and spins it. And like, oh yeah, yeah. to see like a truly dysfunctional um, uh-huh. like government situation and a breakdown and uh, how like scary and and powerless the the individual people and the families and even the villages together feeling that. And yet here, you know, a glimpse of like maybe technology. Um, their own ingenuity getting them out of this the the, the situation uh, pretty inspiring pretty yeah, inspiring it is and I I mean William it, you know this is mostly biographical um, I, I don't know how biographical it is right. but certainly he built this windmill uh, and several others in in his area uh, he went on to go to a prominent school in the U S after studying elsewhere for for many years um, right. and has become you know, kind of a spokesperson and and a very well-educated person, right? He became that man that he thought he was going to be if he could just go to school. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's cool that it is also a biography. And it's also a nice thing piece to think about, like, it, you know, because there's, like, why is it important to help people that are, like, s- struggling under these terrible conditions? It's because you're squandering the brain of a guy like yeah. William Kamkwamba, uh, if all he can do is worry about where he's going to get his next kernel of corn, he's not going to be busy inventing solutions that save uh, his his village and his country and, and, and indeed improve conditions all around the globe as a result. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not about, like, just drawing a wall around what you've got and, like, I've got mine, fuck everything. You, you're essentially throwing the rest of the world's brain power and creativity and ingenuity away. And yeah. I feel like to meet the 21st century challenges ahead, we're going to need everyone's best brains. And we're going to need them well-fed, well-educated, <laughs> and ready to fucking roll up their brain sleeves and go to work. And I feel like we're not harnessing even a site, like a majority of the fraction of the world's best brains at this point. Yeah, um, for sure. And not only is this his, uh, Chiwetel's, uh first directorial uh project but also this seems to be a very personal one for him yeah it's, it's of the peoples that he's from the chua peoples huh. uh so I, I think there's a lot of heart that goes into this that chuatel himself brings to it as the director and the the eh, not lead actor uh, a, a very prominent supporting actor right and he's you know like uh chuatel's uh, his name probably is not recognizable to you unless you're like a big movie movie buff. But he's <laughs> his been face is I know that in tons of stuff. He was the uh, the striking operative in Serenity. He played uh, Solomon Northup in Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, he played the director of NASA, I believe, or at least that project in The Martian. 
Um, he played Carl uh, Mordor in, or Mordo rather, in <laughs> Doctor Strange. Um, he's got, he's got, he's got a lot of a uh, lot of recognition. You'd recognize his face if, again, if not his name. And now he's got this uh, um, directorial debut under his belt. I thought it was funny too that um, because I didn't, I didn't know that that he was from this particular people, but it, it was ironic because um, all of the subtitles pointed out that this was that people's dialogue and it looks almost exactly like his name. And I felt right, like, it's right. like, you know, just fancy thing. It's like, Oh, it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like putting your trademark on every single line that said right. old Chewy. Yeah, he's at uh-huh. it again. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 No, uh, I assume he's named after those people. He's, he's got. Yeah, be. it's got to be. I mean, I, I don't speak I, I this language. But very I, cursory Wikipedia yeah. research, but that's it, about it. It wouldn't surprise me if it's like of the, his, his name is literally means from that people or right. of that people. Right. Uh, which, yeah, make a lot of sense. Uh, the script was worked on by Chiwetel Ejiofor, but is also in conjunction with William Cam Kwamba himself and is based mm-hmm. on the book, The Boy Who Harnessed the uh, the, yeah. the Wind that he wrote. Um I think that's all for the non-spoilers. I kind of want to roll up my sleeves and talk about spoilers. Okay. Uh, so let's do that. All right. Uh, where do you want to start with this thing? Should we Should we start with maybe the the storyline of so, the windmill? So Cause, the, cause there's I, a lot going on. In there's this a movie, lot of right? so like I think there's a lot of like tragedy of the commons and like um, sure, the problem yeah. with capitalism, which is essentially everything works well until and, I mean, climate change. And there's a whole bunch of shit we can go into, right? Until an externality that the market can't account for, such as right. a drought comes and then like suddenly every well-run market goes into chaos and people start starving and and what do you do but like i thought it was intriguing to see people making what is the best decision on their self-interest like to sell their land and clear-cut it yeah, at least Jeremiah was to to uh, to, to make. And, you know, obviously that was controversial, but you got yeah. you know these people saying we can't do that because if you do that, then it's going to all of our soil is going to blow away, and then when the rains finally come, it's going to flood uh-huh. the. And lo, all that shit came to pass. But yet that family had five hundred bucks in their pocket. Like it, it to me, it really showed how this shit can go, where you are reduced to making. Um, terrible decisions based on just like it's kind of like this is this is boardroom culture in america like fuck long-term sustainability what will make us the most money in the next quarter this is more life and death but yeah and i think jeremiah was made out to be the bad guy here and i think you know long term he certainly is um he's short-sighted he is uh, opportunistic's not the right word but he wants to get the fuck out of dodge before right. things get bad and he right. does that but he sells everybody out in the process right. he's the villain in the same way like the grasshopper in aesop's fable of the grasshopper <laughs> and the ant is the villain he's not evil he's just again he's this is the best decision he can make for him and his family yeah. but is dooming his yeah. village right but his point is y'all should sell and move with me because this is well they don't have lands to sell like that's right. the thing yeah, Chew- yeah, yeah. Chewetel's he didn't family william's family doesn't have that land their father left it to jeremiah um and so you know they don't have the land to sell to get out of there yeah so their only hope is to desperately cling to this land and pray for rain right right um I also liked how kind of um, resourceful William was, not just in like the terms of him being like brainy, but you know him ex- ex- able to exploit situations to his advantage. Yeah, like finding out 
one of his professors is dating his sister. <laughs> I mean, you hate to see him turn to blackmail right away, but they make the point, like, what good is an honest businessman? <laughs> right. Like, he's doing what he's got to do for his family to survive. Yeah, people are dying in the dirt out here. Yeah. Um, and he's... And then it's also, I felt like... It felt like a soft blackmail. Like, this guy yeah. wanted to help him anyway, and he clearly has affection for the family. And so... Mm-hmm. And it is kind of... I mean... It is... It's so funny because I just feel like I was just ranting about my country all the time. But but the fact that there's a lot of people that want to essentially destroy f- or free public education. It seems like they do to me. It seems like they're pursuing policies that are wantingly destructive of public education. Mm-hmm. And you see this contrast with countries where it's like if you can't pay, you can't get an education. Yeah. Um, that's not anywhere near what uh, my mission statement of making the biggest, best brains as big and strong as you can to face the 21st century. It seems, it seems, uh, de facto foolish that you can't, that, that, that your ability to get an education is directly related to how much you pay it. It seems nakedly non-competitive. Um, mm. but yet that's, that's, that's what this country is doing. And we see like how, you know, like if, imagine if this kid, wasn't able to figure out how to make this pump work or like the other thing is like what if like he never like like this area was so poor materially that he's like literally scrapping together like this old ass battery that they dug out of the ground right like what if this shit just didn't work through no fault of his own Uh but what if he didn't have the education necessary to do like dozens if not hundreds of people would have died yeah no it it seems to me that the the infrastructure as, as portrayed by this film is extraordinarily weak um it it doesn't it doesn't allow for support of things like schools on Mm a you know social level so Mm -hmm. really if a school is going to be run it has to be run by the people in the local town Mm -hmm. and if they can't afford to pay for it then the people who teach can't afford to make that their life and so you know the school goes under like during the course of this we see a school completely shut down right because of you know food crises and everybody moving away and and the family's locally just not being able to afford to pay for it to support that system so right and the government not be not being willing i suppose or i I don't know i mean i don't know what the the governmental relationship with the people of africa is Uh i'm I'm not that ingrained in the culture well it's different Uh, from country to country right even you know this might be a specifically malawi thing i I don't know that's like Uh, saying you know what 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 do you think about the governments of europe yeah i mean <laughs> south, Af- south africa i'm sure th- right. they're they're doing they're sitting just fine though those white boys on their right. fucking pedestals over right there. but they're all i mean and it's, they're, it, they're doing it on the backs of, of so poorer people there's a couple things i've learned about africa in the last year or so because uh, i this all started when i read the statistic because like you said i i spent a lot of time in like leftist circles and i think that some at some in the fringes you get some sunshine blown up your ass and i read this thing about like uh this statistic that like Africa is the country with the highest amount of genetic diversity in the world. And that struck me as like highly unlikely citation needed. Yeah. But it turns out that like if scientifically speaking, it's accurate because all of the people from the earth came from Africa. So if you're talking about Europeans, if you're talking about, uh, you know, Pacific, uh, Islanders, if you're talking about, um, Hmm. Asians, these are all, small offshoots of the genetic diversity that left and then were geographically isolated and allowed to, you know, 
these, these permutations happen. So, like, yes, if you're just talking genetic diversity, like the the, the genetic diversity in genes, there's 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 no more diversity than you got in Africa. And then if you talk about languages and cultures and ignore just mm. like yeah. arbitrary racial distinctions, which is how dark a skin is, they also like top that too. So, like, wealth, technology. Like you've got like true hunter gatherers living right next to like skyscrapers yeah. in in Africa. It's a really wild, crazy, giant continent that we pretend is like some monolith of mud huts. Right. Um, right. And this this felt like like a country that's kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. They're not mud huts, but they're also there's 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 no metropolises to be seen as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I felt like this was definitely on the poorer end of the spectrum. Um, right. But you like know. these, I the, the, I always looking like okay, but how? Like I'm trying to quantify it because, you know, I've seen a lot of like Great Depression era photographs, and it looked a lot like if you like these photographers to go through like Oklahoma, and look at these mm. like people's like settler shacks that they're living where they're, like you can literally see seams of daylight between their like clapper boards on their houses as if it's like a, yeah. So it's like it's not like I, again. I do feel like people tend to think of Africa as like way more fucking backwards than it is. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I was thinking as I was watching it, because I've seen like Chiwetel and his wife is sitting there and they're sleeping in like what could only be described as a cot barely made big enough for two people. And they've got like a kid on top of them, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, as I'm laying in my king size bed, that looks pretty miserable. <laughs> yeah. But like the other thing is what what is what do humans need to maximize their happiness? Because it seems like what you need is like companionship and a reasonable amount of shelter and full bellies and happiness flourishes in those conditions. You take yeah. those things away, things get fucko. But how nice your house, uh, your house and clothes, that doesn't seem like it correlates very, very well into like people's absolute happiness. Yeah, there's diminishing returns. I think like safety is a big one. Healthcare, and- access, to, uh, healthcare should be another one too. Safety. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, there's no way. I mean, he gets hurt. He's not. He's gonna have to pay for a doctor right. that hopefully he can afford. Right. Or yeah, the, the healthcare system is probably not great in that particular area. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, safety is the other one, right? And like, it it, it seems like they're always just one one misstep or one unfortunate event away from losing that feeling of safety. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah, one yeah. bad harvest. One. Uh, one bad election one, one ba- right one yeah one terrorist event uh, over in the u.s and the markets collapse yeah and, like that's the whole instigation that's for the all of this right like, like this yeah. is happening in 2001 uh-huh. uh the, the 9-11 attacks just happened and i guess the markets are just in chaos sure which is causing uh i guess I don't know how it affects the grain prices. I know that the grain was being sold off mm-hmm. uh, in advance of this because they were like, oh, we're secure. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to happen here. We need to get rid of this surplus of grain. Right. But then the floods came or the, the drought came. Those externalities. Yeah. And they weren't prepared for it. So so you're like one bad event away from potentially yeah. losing everything and potentially dying. Yeah. Like the total collapse of civil, like civilization yeah. and law. And that's right. what I was thinking of like um, – so – one question I had from watching the film is, are we to understand that the the there's this point in the film where all the men of the village take off to attend a protest that's like several villages away. It's like at the central mm-hmm. city of the province so they can like make their voices be heard. I thought as I was watching this unfold that I'm to understand that that might have been like some kind of 
false rally that was planned by the government to get the men of the village, these villages away so they can then go and pillage them. Because it seems like it was Hmm. awfully coordinated. Like all the men pile up in these flatbeds and they start taking off. And then these guys descend on him, start taking all their food. And it even seems like Chiwetel and his gang, as they're heading in, they kind of see this happening. Like, oh, my God, we have to turn around and go back. Yeah. Like, is it that fucking Machiavellian that like, hey, we'll... we'll..." I didn't think so but uh, maybe it's opportunistic like hey if the opposition party's leading a rally maybe and they're drawing all of their men from their villages then there'll be no one to they they don't even have guns or even swords or anything they just with brute strength come and just take everything from the village because there's nothing there but women children and old sick people to, to to stop them yeah i think the reason i think it couldn't have been necessarily pre-planned coordinated maybe opportunistic that's possible but I think the whole instigating event of this rally was where they beat the shit out of the the town's chief. Right. Uh and and then they got pissed and they went to this rally mm-hmm. uh to to protest that guy. Mm-hmm. So I I mean, I don't know how much time uh it elapses during yeah. this movie either, so maybe yeah. there's like a, a week or something, but it seemed like they were just like Okay, this guy, this chief got the shit beat out of him. Let's go protest in the town next door. And this happened in like an hour. Yeah, it seemed like there were several years, right? Because uh, there was a maybe? couple of harvest cycles for sure. Because I think we saw like one normal there, harvest cycle. I, so there's and one then, flood. So I thought the flood wiped that, out. That's where the, the that crops should have been the growing, growing season because they got to plant right. it, but it washed all the seeds out. Yeah, and okay. then everything dried out, and now they've got to plant in this really hard dirt with no water. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like, I would say maybe a few months yeah. or a couple months, maybe. Yeah. From from like where things are sprouting and that all gets destroyed to where the ground is too hard to sow anything mm. because it's too dry. Do you, so that's, that, so that last of the ground being too hard to plant, that's like kind of get like what led to where my, I got frustrated with the movie. Hmm. Because just this image is a striking image of Chiwetel, like just literally hoeing dust. Yeah. And like this is um, I, I think it's a, it's a true act of faith that he's like, I'm going to sow this and nothing will grow. But if miraculously we get rain um, and his, his his son bounces up to him and says, look at the scale model windmill I built and it powers the radio. Yeah. And I've also like, I did this on my own. If you give me half of your bicycle, <laughs> but, but I, mean, I don't know like, what he needs the bicycle for. And this kid's only like 13. Yeah. And like, I, I, I'm like, I'm trying to put myself in, in William's dad who's try, 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 try well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to put myself in his place where it's like, if Jack came to me a year from now. And we were in dire situation. And he's like, Dad, I need half of the only working car that you have to, like, <laughs> if this doesn't go wrong, our family, not only are we crippled, but we won't be able to go into town and trade for, like, we're we're done for. I don't, but then again, if my son brought me a working fucking windmill that was powering a radio and said, look at this pump, I've got this too, and it will work if I just, I, it's so frustrating to see his reaction to that. Yeah. And I I mean it's that, supposed to be it is but like I felt like they didn't do enough to kind of I don't know like the the movie had a, so much time and not enough time to really sell me on why Trywell would be have that so, so little faith in his son yeah they really lead on the one speech where he finally decides okay you can give this a shot right I'm gonna trust you because that's what it comes down to is trust. that's after the boy oh god the boy's dog died starves to death there's yeah. like 
that one that one and that's the other thing is like man you're sitting there with your family and you're count you're like literally counting your food and you realize mm-hmm. that like you can only afford to eat one meal a day and even then it's going to be touch and go yeah and your dad's starving himself and, and-, and you, yeah that's the other thing you find and your your you know your dad says like he catches you feeding your dog and like if you feed your dog you're, yeah. i'm gonna break your neck and then your dog dies it's like that scene where he just lays down in the road with his with his is his dog and, and cries was fucking brutal and i yeah they they like this might be a little hollywood but i felt like they that was the kind of the moment where um trywell decided to like well shit like we're gonna die i've taken everything yeah. from this family um why not why not take a, a roll of the dice with my boys uh windmill yeah yeah i mean the 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 lack of trust in his child uh, uh has led trywell to to or uh, I, i'm tr- what i'm trying to say is trywell's father had no trust in him right yeah. Uh, there, thereby he didn't leave him the trees, which would have preserved the the fields because the floods wouldn't have been as bad. Uh, all of this could have been averted if Trywell's father had just trusted him a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, the same he sees that same pattern repeating within himself and and William, and he I think comes to the realization, you know, when when the times are most desperate, uh-huh. that he's got to put some trust in this boy, otherwise he's he's a he's dooming his he's potentially dooming his family uh-huh. uh but b he, even if they somehow survive this he's just repeating this cycle that right. has plagued him his entire life right and i think they they do a lot of that heavy lifting in a single scene in a big speech when he finally changes his mind so i i think i'm with you i don't know that i needed you know x amount of kind of like fuck you in your windmill and smashing mm-hmm. it and and him pushing him to the ground and saying you're getting in the fields I don't know that I needed as much of that, but I, I think they they bring it around to a place that they I needed, really like. Because they also had, I thought it was a really powerful scene where the village boys came to like get the bike. Yeah. And <laughs> Trywell just for the, just like, he's like, he was going to hoe those boys to death. Like, he's like, look, you might get my bicycle, but I'm taking one <laughs> or two of you with it. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of like, is this really who you want to be kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like putting it to him. Yeah, that like, way. are you guys going to be the the ruffians and the bullies to take things from people? And but on the yeah. other hand, like, I thought it was going to go down that way. I thought those boys were going to beat him down, and like, it was going to be, uh, because like, yeah, if 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 the alternative is death for an entire village, then yeah, your pride, your physical well being, and your goddamn bicycle, uh, you know, get get because you can't eat the bicycle. No, nope. um, you nope. get, get thrown by the wayside. But um, I, uh, I don't know. I because wa- the whole time I was watching this, like I'm sure the broad strokes were true, like the the basic history of the village and the predicament they're in with the famine or the drought and the famine and the political instability. Mm-hmm. But I wondered, like these beats where like you know, he builds a working prototype, a dad refuses, he gets the boys together, they try to steal it, they don't. The boy, yeah, like I, I wonder if it was as cinematic as all that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but it, it for sure works on film. I mean, some of those moments that you were talking about with like, uh, it, one of them that really stuck out to me is just the whole grain situation where they're going. Like, uh, William has the bike and he's got the money and he's going to buy a, a store, you know, stock up on grain uh, to get them through this season that the government is selling cheaper than the standard markets. Yeah, uh, he. That whole scene around that, when that warehouse, oh my god, is fucking frightening. Yeah, uh, as as frightening, I would say, as like the men coming into the house, and nah, maybe not as frightening, but well, certainly mean, frightening. Uh, 
to to me like i i was watching that going oh my god these these people could just be murdered like yeah when everyone thousand in this warehouse people, could be murdered when a thousand people plus are outside yeah. this metal like you think of like uh how futile it would be for a person to try to break into like a corrugated metal barn <laughs> uh-huh. but a thousand people they it's not hard it. at all right like that shit is essentially even a single toys. tool i mean yeah and or just like you get 30 40 guys grabbing on yeah. a door and pulling on it it's 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 coming off and um yeah like that Again, it's and there a, were several of those moments. It's, it's, it's yeah. Situations where you can't really—it's been so long since any of us have been in a situation like that. This is the thing. It's that not I, some kind of momentary. Like you, you hear about shit like that happens. Like yeah, when Katrina uh, and like yeah, like a like a sudden disaster in a few weeks, and then a, 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 everything's pretty much good. But but we're so sheltered from the effects here in the U.S. Yeah. of of most of our decisions. Like I yeah. I look at this and I, I couldn't help but think, okay, well. The climate over there is getting fucked up, right? And it's it's causing droughts on top of floods, on top of just chaos in the cycles, the natural cycles that happen. We are very, very sheltered from that. Like, these people don't have a fucking greenhouse and irrigation and shit that they can just... Dude, if I really wanted to, I could probably grow all the food that I would ever need here in my fucking basement. Right, yeah. And and there would be... Well, there probably would be a flood, actually. (laughs) There could be. (laughs) I've had one before. You just undo all the work you did drying your basement, and then you get natural irrigation. Exactly. But my point is, like, dude, I could hydroponic my way out of any of these situations, right? And if absolutely not, you live in fucking Ohio. Your backyard would, (laughs) would, would, would definitely grow. Yeah, but my point is, like, our decisions and the things we're doing that are fucking up the climate are not felt most by us. Right. They're felt by these people, the poor people. And we're the most able to sustain, like, real hardships, right? Yeah, and so we have this completely insulated, uh, I don't know, blanket of a life that people around the world don't necessarily have. And we don't, I don't think, think about it enough. Well, and just like, honestly, this is something the whole world needs to think about is the concept of water and like how little fresh water we have on the planet and how hard it is to like desalinate. I know that there Uh is some provinces in uh, Australia that do a decent, uh, that do quite a bit of desalination. California is working on it. California is working on coast, some some of the wealthier coastal African countries, uh, obviously Uh in the Middle East. But like the problem with it is it's super fucking energy intensive all the ways that we have to do it right now. And in America, like every time I go out to Vegas, I think, Jesus Christ, we are wasting so much water or when (laughs) like, like, and like there's this giant aquifer that like covers most of the places where we grow. And we are pulling water out of that way faster than it can recharge. And like people, Mm -hmm. like you try to tell people not to water their lawns and people get their bitch on. Like it's, I don't, I, like, I feel like, um, this is even more so maybe than global climate change is that like like I, I read some things crazy this weekend. Like Mexico City has settled like 60 feet in the last 50 years. And it's mostly because that they're huh. pumping this giant aquifer dry to live in these conditions. And like that's very similar to what we're doing in the, the, the southwest and California. Like yeah. what happens if we cannot irrigate anymore because we've used up all the water? Uh, we're using yeah. it faster than we can repla- replace it. Um, 
This yeah, shit. The, the thing I was thinking about is the first people who are hit by that are these people. Right. Exactly. The, the, they we make the decisions that affect all of this shit because we live in the ultra modern society, right. and they pay the price for right. it. But if we're if you're also if you're living in America or any of the Western countries and you're not already wealthy right mm-hmm. now, yeah, it's going to affect you. Or it if will. it doesn't affect yeah. you, you're going to be depending on essentially the wealthy people to feel sorry for you. <laughs> Good luck. And and and, and, and organized government against because like. Uh, yeah, they're y- y- like Jim can 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 hydroponic now, right. but in like some kind of twenty years from now when water's scarce, no, not not y- y- no. when water costs like instead of like twenty dollars a month for sewer, it's going to be three hundred and twenty. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how bad this shit's going to get, and I don't know why we're in a, like a fucking chicken game to see. Like how bad we're it's going to get before we all swerve off the road and try something different, but yeah, I mean, this shit here is 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 it's it's scary. It's happened in this country the the the, the dust bowl. Like yeah, if you mismanage your resources bad enough, it will fuck you. Um, and have like you know, or if you're just playing with fire yeah. and something bad happens, because yeah. that's what happens in this film, right? Yeah. Yeah, we don't have much uh, spare capacity to absorb shock as far as, like, disruptions and stuff in the world. Right. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, we can all invent windmills, and there'll still be water in the ground that we can spray <laughs> to make to make life-giving giving crops grow. It does increasingly feel like that our only way out is through. We're going to have to come up with some kind of technological solution mm-hmm. um, to, to desalinate a bunch of water or... I don't know. Graphene. Graphene will solve the problem, right? <laughs> that sounds right to me. You, you, yeah. you, just, you, just, wait, you just build a net sure. out of graphene out of, and you just drag it through the oceans, and fresh water comes out. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's harness light waves. Uh, I feel like waves inherently have water in them, right? Yeah, it's in the name. Yeah, and lights all around us, so we've got all the water we need. Don't worry about it. Right. We'll just uh, <laughs> just pull it out of the air. Uh, uh, I I do want to talk about these uh-huh. these. Uh, these crazy dancers that we see throughout the film they're mm. they're called gule gule wamkulu from from my research which is i think i think that's called like the great dance i, I think that literally translates and they are these dancers who are chosen by like secret chua societies hmm. and nobody actually knows who they are except the, the societies who pick them hmm. um and they they come around to you know, do essentially what we saw in the movie. They they do so at funerals. They do so to like. Some people think they're evil. Some people think they're benign. Um, they're just kind of a, a presence that is in that society, as far as I can tell. That kind of makes people guides people through a sort of grieving process or big events in the the town or their own lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting. How did they pick a good one? I don't know. A good dancer, first of all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to be enthusiastic. Right. Uh, you can't have any recognizable uh, body stuff going on, right? Huh. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like you don't pick the biggest guy in the village because right. oh, oh that's be like yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, that's, that's William. Barn door Come McGee. On. <laughs> right. You can't hide that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they have to be pretty nondescript, good dancers. I don't know what else. Because you don't want to, you, you don't want your... You have to have a good place to hide their fucking mask. That's true. That's <laughs> true. whole outfit, right? Yeah, it's this thing. is like, you know, what if you pick a bad one and he's unable to comfort Ooh. and guide the village out of their grief? Yeah. You know? I wonder if there's like stories about 
because that's the thing. Like that's the, the fascinating thing about all these different cultures is, and one of the reasons why I really like it when we do like multicultural stuff is because I'm fucking bored of a lot of the mythos that's come out of the West. Like how many fucking times can you remix some Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. and you know Old Testament monotheism? and fucking alchemists and magicians and warlocks and stuff like you get get you get to some you, you got to go into other cultures to find the really weird shit yeah to see like all like again harness all like <laughs> by all, our to our minds yeah all, all everybody's everybody's you know what i'm saying is it's like just everybody's crazy brains with all kinds of crazy life experiences and under all kinds of different continents worth of hallucinogenics. I've come up with all kinds of different explanations for how things have come to be. <laughs> yeah. And, and what to do about them. Yeah. It's really fucking fascinating. Um, uh-huh. I forget what the book it is, but I got this book for Jack when he was like eight. It was uh, like Richard Dawkins took a stab at making a children's book about science. Like it, he, oh, he aims as like, you know, it's kind of like, why is the sky blue and real answers to like science questions that you might have. And he like each chapter is kind of introduced with a different creation myth from like over the, the world. Um, and like, I'm just blown away by like how kind of like clever and inventive, but it's only because again, I'm kind of like inured to all of the stuff like, you know, Greek civilization or Roman civilization. And mm-hmm. um, it's like kind of all the samey. So when you step outside of that box and you're like, holy shit, look what these people are doing. Look, look at what the, look at the belief these people have. Um, it seems a lot more interesting by comparison. I'm sure if it comes Certainly the other be, way, yeah. it's, it's a lot, you know, it's still like wild and fresh and new. So everybody should share oh, everybody's yeah. stuff. I mean, we export so much fucking culture. Yeah. I need uh, to, we need to, we need to import, I guess. Yeah. We could, we could stand to import a little bit. Hopefully uh, could, pay those people for their, for intellectual property instead of just jacking it from them. That'd be nice. Um, no, the, the most interesting thing I've seen in a while was the, you know, Korean zombie thing, Kingdom. Right. Uh, that was a fresh take on zombies that right. I was desperately wanting. But yeah, like even like, you know, you think of like Moana and Coco are the movies that right. I think in the last few years that really opened my eyes to like, oh man, like some of these religions are super cool and some of these practices, like we could learn a f- thing or two about, you know, if you actually want to, you know, build a family, cohesive family story and family tree, what does it take? You know, what kind of, what does it really mean to have respect for your your elders and, and what's come before you? Mm-hmm. I think we could learn we could we could stand to learn a lot from yeah from, uh, the we've, way they other people do things we've kind of picked a direction in yes. western culture and we've pursued that above all else and i don't know that that's super healthy yeah should at least hear the other other side out yeah especially when it comes to entertainment uh okay i yeah this is a pretty pretty good pretty good film uh I agree. makes you think uh stretches your brain helps you grow uh hopefully again uh i think we also can need more of these kind of like cautionary tales of like what civil what can happen to civilization what can happen to your family and your friends your neighbors if 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 uh you neglect certain situations and the effect that we have on others around the world how we're all like increasingly whether we like it or not we're all connected um by atmosphere, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, anything else you want to say about the boy who harnessed the wind? Nope, that's it. All right, we'll be back. Uh, we are actually taking a vacation next week on Bald Move. Jim's going to Italy. Uh, I'm going to Florida to visit my father. Uh, we will be back the week after with a bunch more Bald Movies and Bald Move TV and the the stuff that uh, you, you, you've you grown to know and love us for. Uh, but there will be um, very little that kind of activity next week we do have some stuff especially for the club members coming out mm-hmm. um some things we've pre-recorded but just to let you know that there'll be no bald movie uh no bald move tv next week 
Um, but we'll see you the week after that, and pretty soon it's not going to be too much longer till uh, Game of Thrones is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.